0: Hello and welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. I'm Howard Kaplan. This On Air podcast features attorneys from Myrick O'Connell, a full-service law firm with offices in Worcester, Westboro, and Boston. We've all seen the cartoons with the victim of a car crash with a cervical collar and a lawyer chasing after the ambulance to sign up the injured person. Today we'll discuss what whiplash is, what causes it, how it is treated, and why insurance companies spend millions of dollars a year on campaigns to disparage whiplash victims just because the injury occurred in a relatively low-speed rear impact. With us today is Myrick O'Connell attorney, Ted Bassett, chair of the firm's personal litigation group. Welcome, Ted, uh, to On Air with Myrick O'Connell.
1: Good afternoon, Howard. Pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, it's great to have you back. And uh, so the first question I have, and a lot of people might have, because as, as we mentioned just now, everyone talks about it. There are cartoons about it. What exactly is whiplash?
1: Good question, Howard. So whiplash is, is really a misnomer. Whiplash is the mechanism by which uh, an individual will receive an injury to their neck. It's, uh, if you can envision yourself, if you are seat belted at a stop sign uh, and you have your head turned to say the left looking uh, to see if it's safe to turn. And then all of a sudden, unexpectedly you're rear ended. What will happen then with the force is that the neck and, and the head will be thrown back and, and forward and that's the whiplash action, as you can think of, the a, a whip-like action. But the injury is really an injury to the neck. And in the neck, you've got muscles. There are actually 14 muscles in the neck. You've got ligaments. You have nerve roots. The spinal cord is there, uh, the brain stem, and then the facet joints are there as well. So what happens is with the mechanism of that whip-like type action, and a head say turn to the left. It's a um, uh, it's a perfect setup for those muscles and those ligaments and the facet joints to be actually whipped back and forth. And there are tears, uh, tears in either the muscles, the ligaments, or in the what they call the articular cartilage of the facet joints. The facet joints are uh, what joins the vertebrae. If you have say C two cervical vertebrae and C3, Um, it's a very tiny joint, but there is in fact cartilage there and there's nerve roots. And the doctors over the past, say, 20 years have discovered that that is a real source of horrible pain, that sometimes the only thing they can do is to burn out the pain uh, invasively. Uh, Yeah, it's called a, a fasciotomy. Uh, which I've had a couple of my clients have had to undergo that because the pain in their neck has just been so horrific um, that they needed to have surgery. And it and it worked in both occasions, but it only lasts about a year. Oh, so wow. you have to have these procedures done uh, a year to 18 months apart. So to answer your question, what is whiplash? Whiplash is a term. Uh, that we all use, whether it's doctors or lawyers, to describe generally the injuries to the soft tissues in the neck as a result of almost always it's a rear-end collision. For whatever reason, um, side collisions or head-on collisions, th- those are not unexpected jolts and the way the, uh, the neck is turned at the time. So whiplash is the result of rear-end uh, collisions.
0: Just thinking here as I'm listening to you, Ted. That your description of whiplash is just as bad as it feels when one gets whiplash. Wow, woo, wow. Oh, now this is something that I'll bet most people do not know. Can someone really get whiplash when they are rear-ended at less than ten miles an hour?
1: The, the answer to that is absolutely. In fact, that's the most common cause of the whiplash is between, say, 10 and 15 miles per hour. And that's because of our modern bumper system. Uh, The bumpers, we don't see our bumpers because they're covered with uh, the plastic or the plexiglass, whatever. But underneath is the metal bumper. And the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration states explicitly, these are not safety devices for the occupant. These are, in fact, to preserve the body of the car. Yeah. So uh. if you're hit at, say, 15 miles per hour from the rear, your bumper will actually crush. There'll be some deformation, and the, the, the force that's thrown into the car then is dissipated, whereas if it's under 15 miles per hour, uh, they're designed so that there is no crush or dent, and the entire force of a 3,000-pound vehicle going 10 miles per hour goes directly to the, to the driver's neck and back. Um, so that's where these lower-speed accidents, uh, because of the bumper system, the driver is actually taking more force. And hmm. um, the insurance companies will say, use your common sense. Uh, if you don't have a severe uh, dent in your bumper, then you can't have a significant injury. Well, Howard, the example that we plaintiffs lawyers use all the time is when you're in a grocery store and you drop a carton of eggs, do you look to see what the damage is to the carton? Or hmm. do you open it up and look to see what, what the damage is to the eggs? Hmm. Uh, so the, the damage to the bumper has no relationship to the injury, And this has been cited by the Society of Automotive Engineers. They've done hundreds of studies. It's, and, and there are Volvo manufacturers studied 30 years of accidents, and they concluded there is no relationship between damage to the bumper and damage, the injury that's sustained. Uh, and they all conclude, the whether it's engineers, uh, there are studies from emergency rooms, uh, which have shown that injuries occur below five mile per hour. There is no lower threshold because we're all different. At my age, I have arthritis, as most people do in, say there's their, when they're in their 60s, but arthritis is like gray hair in your neck. We all have it. Everyone who has a, an MRI or an x-ray done, it will show up, but it's asymptomatic. You get rear-ended at 10 miles per hour, and that's aggravated, and that causes can cause a chronic neck pain, and then the chronic neck pain's Will, will radiate to the nerves, and they can cause horrific, crippling headaches. And I have any number of clients over the past 30 years that have had life-changing events at 10-mile-per-hour rear-end collisions, which have torn the muscles, the ligaments, the facet joints, and there is no cure, unfortunately. No. Most people who have a whiplash injury will, in fact, get better within weeks or months, But there's a a large percentage, uh, and the studies show about 40% of the people that have a whiplash injury will have chronic problems. They may not be horrible, but there is a 10% of the people with whiplash injuries go on to have disabling injuries, preventing them from working or whatever. And, And this is the group of people that those cartoons are not funny for anyone that sustained a whiplash injury and who goes on to have a lifetime of neck pain and crippling headaches that neurologists, physiatrists, headache specialists can't cure. It's not fake. No, and no. That's what upsets me at times is some of my clients who are the most honest and, and and wonderful people, they have to not only deal with the injury, but they have to deal with the insult uh, of the insurance company claiming that they're fakers. And Howard, I'd point out to you that there, there's a group of insurance companies that if you don't have more than $1,000 of damage to your bumper. Arbitrarily, they will treat you as if you're a potential fraudulent claimant, and they'll treat you that way through depositions, uh, through the whole case.
0: That's what gets me that in our conversation just now, that it's the bumper that presumably determines the compensation or the insurance coverage, but in actuality, it's almost the opposite, if what I'm hearing is right, at low speeds.
1: Right, Exactly. Wow.
0: You know, I've been around the block a little bit in my car and I've had my share of accidents. I'm uh, sad to say I did not realize that about the disconnect (laughs) literally between the bumper and the symptoms of whiplash and the actual occurrence of whiplash. I'm really sitting here astounded. I I did not realize that. So, yeah, bumpers aren't necessarily there to help us.
1: And and Howard, another example that the engineers uh, talk about is that. If you go to a high-end racing car, those cars, they don't have bumpers. The driver is in a compartment and protected there, but they intentionally do not have any bumpers whatsoever, so that in a crash, all of that force, not all the force, but a lot of the force will be dissipated and and will will disperse through the body. And they sacrifice the body for the driver. On a passenger car, it makes more sense for the manufacturers to preserve the, the body rather than dealing with, with the whiplash. Of course, the design of these cars is saving people's lives. And the number of people who are uh, killed or seriously injured in car accidents has gone down dramatically. But what people have to realize is, is that that's true. But with, this, with the seatbelt mechanism and the type of bumper that we have, the, there's been an increase in the number of whiplash injuries.
0: Wow, that's really astounding. And I go back to what you just said, and that is like the statement of the month, <laughs> that the bumpers are there to preserve the, the body of the car as opposed to the whiplash, for example, or other injury, whereas someone going, you know, what, uh, the, the Indy 500, 500 miles an hour, they don't have bumpers, and we sacrifice the body of the vehicle the uh, right. body of the person.
1: If you, go the, if you go to the, the webpage for the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, it states specifically, and I'll quote, passenger car bumpers are not a safety feature intended to prevent or mitigate injury severity to occupants in the car. And then you have the Society of Automotive Engineers. It's an international society. The crush damage to a vehicle does not relate to the expected occupant injury. The more vehicle damage, the more chance that the occupant is injured is not a conclusion that can be made. In fact, according to the Society of Auto Engineers, in fact, it is more likely the reverse. And as I said, the study said impact speed is not a good indicator of neck injury risks. It is obvious that in rare impacts, people frequently sustain neck injuries, even in crashes with very low impact severity.
0: So what are the typical symptoms of whiplash? I mean, you've alluded to them because it's soft tissue and it's uh, vertebrae. It's just a recipe for, as you mentioned, a lot of uh, discomfort. What are the typical symptoms?
1: Yep. So typically the most common symptom in, they say, about 90% of the whiplash cases will be a severe neck pain. Uh, That can occur right after the accident or in fact, within 72 hours, according to the studies. And I think a number of us have been in accidents, rear end collisions, where after the accident, you don't feel terrible, you don't feel great, but you go home that night, you think things are going to be better. And in most cases, they, they do get better. But in a lot of cases, over the next 72 hours, the neck pain starts to get worse. And so the neck is stiff and And that's a lot of times what happens is patients are discharged from the emergency room and they're checked out for life-threatening injuries, whether it's fractured vertebrae or whatever, and then sent home. But the whiplash diagnosis, those symptoms of neck pain, uh, headache, dizziness, nausea, uh, what they call photophobia or light sensitivity, double vision, tinnitus, all of those are symptoms Sometimes very similar to a concussion diagnosis.
0: I was just going to ask you that. Is it possible to get a concussion along with a whiplash from a low-speed rear-end crash, Ted?
1: Absolutely. The medical community has come up with guidelines on what a concussion is defined to be. And The first thing is, and I'm sure almost everybody realizes this, that it used to be that the definition of a concussion required some level of unconsciousness. Now the medical community recognizes that unconsciousness is not necessary at all for the diagnosis of a concussion. All there needs to be is, in fact, a, um, an, an altered mental state, whether or not somebody is dazed, confused, startled, sees stars, all of those things are indications that there has been a jarring of the brain as a result of the whiplash. According to the, the medical definition of a concussion, it can occur by a direct blow to the head or the head striking an object, or it specifically states an acceleration, deceleration injury, parentheses, quote, whiplash. So the whiplash, without even striking your head, without being unconscious, you can sustain a significant concussion as a result of whiplash. And if you've ever seen a model of the brain and the skull you realize that the brain is like a bowl of jello and the skull has all of these like tentacles of little bony spurs. And when you have the whiplash and the brain goes back and forth, what they call coup and contra coup, they are striking up against those jagged edges within the brain. And it's not that you're going to see that on an MRI because it's what's called diffuse axonal injury. And those are injuries that are microscopic. You cannot see them on an MRI, but you certainly can see them on autopsies. And it is medically proven that whiplash can and does, in many cases, cause a concussion. And what I see, Howard, which what's really interesting, is that someone will be in an accident, go to the hospital. They'll be, uh, have an x-ray of their neck. Okay, you don't have a broken neck. MRI of the brain. Your, your brain isn't bleeding. You're not going to die. Go home. The studies have shown that 60 percent of the people that leave hospitals without a diagnosis of a concussion actually had a concussion because the physicians are—they're not there to diagnose concussions. They're there to deal with life-threatening injuries. Hmm. Um, so many of my clients uh, will go to the emergency room, be sent home then they'll wake up with the headaches with the light sensitivity whatever go see their doctor and it's only then that they're diagnosed with the concussion and treated appropriately but not everyone it's called a silent epidemic it's an underdiagnosed condition that a lot of people suffer with the symptoms of a concussion without a proper diagnosis or without proper treatment
0: oh my goodness my goodness And since this injury that we're talking about with with whiplash in particular involves soft tissues, quote-unquote, rather than broken bones, say, why doesn't it heal much more quickly?
1: Howard, the conventional wisdom about a broken bone, unless it's a complex fracture requiring surgery or whatever, but a broken bone generally heals within 6 to 12 weeks, and in the healing process, there's a formation of what the doctors call a callus formation, and it is proven that at the site of the break, a healed broken bone is actually stronger than the bone before the break.
0: I, I have heard that. Yeah, I have. Yes, okay. versus so a soft happened. tissue. Yeah.
1: Yep. So uh, that happens within, say, say six to twelve weeks, on the average. A soft tissue injury, when you have the tearing of a ligament, what happens is the healing process always involves the formation of scar tissue. And scar tissue is not as elastic as the underlying muscle or the underlying ligament. So that the, the healing process for soft tissue involves this fibrous material that Uh, destroys the flexibility of the the ligament or the muscle so that you'll never actually have the same flexibility as you would have had without the injury it takes longer for a soft tissue injury to heal than it does for a broken bone and you know the word soft tissue is used as if oh it's no big deal it's just soft tissue right well um, you know, what happens with that healing process and the formation of scar tissue is also when the nerves regenerate, it generates pain in that, in that particular area. And keep in mind, too, that our lungs, our heart, our brain, those are all soft tissues. So a soft tissue injury is not a, an imagined injury or a fake injury. Uh, soft tissue injury is a very real injury. type of doctors treat this? The typical situation is you will, uh, after the emergency room, it's recommended that you go see your primary care physician. And a lot of people who will go see their primary care physician will be told at that point, go get physical therapy or go see a chiropractor. And unfortunately, in some cases, when you've got that torn, soft tissue the last thing in the world you you should be doing is to be doing physical therapy. In many cases, it's the appropriate treatment. But I just finished a case where this poor woman has had four years of treatment and a lot of the treatment was necessitated by the fact that she was sent to a very rigid physical therapist and kept saying, you got to work through the pain. (laughs) So uh, I'm told that in medical school, the doctors are not... Given a lot of education about whiplash, and sometimes you'll find that the chiropractor who has more um, education involving the musculoskeletal system in our body, according to my clients, they're the ones that in a lot of cases are the only ones that provide relief. But I have clients and I have cases of whiplash where the primary care physician then refers the patient to a neurologist because of the concussion symptoms, then referred to a uh, an orthopedic specialist to see if there's any surgery that needs to be done, and a physiatrist uh, and as you know Howard, a physiatrist is a, a very specially trained doctor in the muscles and ligaments and and uh, and bones and a real expert and then of course, there are headache specialists and and pain clinics and all of these specialties have to treat someone ind- individually for their Individual problems following a whiplash injury.
0: What is Colossus? Uh, I was wondering about this and the MIST programs instituted yeah. by major insurance companies, Ted.
1: So the Colossus program and MIST, M I S T, which stands for Minor Impact Soft Tissue. Uh, as I said before, there are a number of insurance companies who, since the late 90s, Came up with computer programs or whatever and labeled uh, situations where they were going to fight every case. If the property damage was less than $1,000, they were going to fight the case and they were going to go into court and they've been very successful with the common sense defense, which is, ladies and gentlemen the jury, look at the car. There's no damage to that. How could she possibly have had any damage to her neck? Well, you know what, Howard. Some courts across the country have even decided that in these kinds of cases, the jury should not see a picture of the car because it is not a common sense decision. It's misleading. The jury needs to understand from biomechanical engineers, engineers and medical doctors that just because there isn't damage to that bumper or significant damage doesn't mean that there can't be an injury. Um, But the insurance companies have been very successful in taking that approach of basically saying, look at the car, look at the patient. Do you believe her? So that's why, as a, as a plaintiff's attorney, it's been important for me to try to understand as best I can the, the physics and, and the biomechanics and the, the medical aspects of these cases. Because good people come to see me and they don't want to sue anyone. But I've I've had cases where we've settled for a quarter of a million dollars, and before we settled the case against the driver, the plaintiff's own insurance company wouldn't pay for the first chiropractic thing because they felt, oh, less than $1,000, you're a faker. So it's it's really a a tragedy that people are treated this way as a result of low-impact, soft tissue injuries.
0: Well, so much of this is counterintuitive. It's almost like in some cases, not all cases, but in some cases is an inverse relationship between what you see with the damage to the car and the damage to the person. So, you know, I I can also assume, of course, the insurers know this, that just the everyday person just doesn't know this.
1: Right. No, it's not common sense. And if we've learned anything over the past nine months, go with the science. And the science, as I tried to quote from from the engineers, from the medical community, the science, and and from car manufacturers like Volvo, there is no relationship between the amount of damage to the bumper and what kind of injury you or I could sustain. And, and plus, Howard, I may have a, a weaker neck and I may have some underlying preexisting conditions that predispose me to injuries at 5 miles per hour that you at 10 miles per hour wouldn't bother. So to arbitrarily say we well, won't pay if there's less than $1,000 of damage to the car is, is just arbitrary and just unfair.
0: Well, this, this is really eye-opening, I think, for a lot of folks And once again. And I want to thank you for being on our podcast on air with Myrick O'Connell. Ted Bassett, personal injury lawyer with the firm. How can folks get in touch with you?
1: It's the letter E, Bassett, B-A-S-S-E-T-T at myrickoconnell.com and my direct line 508-860-1442.
0: Thanks, Ted.
1: My pleasure, Howard. As always, thank you. Thanks.
0: I'm Howard Kaplan for Myrick O'Connell and Ted Bassett. Take care and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Myrick O'Connell. It is intended to inform you of developments in the law and to provide information of general interest. It is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. This podcast may be considered advertising under the rules of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court.